if you could give me a job. <laughs> I don't want to hear such a stupid request. You're just a stinking, useless weakling. And this is certainly no place for humans. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. And I'm Ian Woodington. And as we always do, we will give you some picks for the week. Would you like to go first? I will. Ian recommended a film a couple of podcasts ago called A Field in England, which is Ben Wheatley? Yes. That's his name, Ben Wheatley. And uh, so I was updating my my Netflix queue, uh, my actual DVD queue. I still get DVDs in the mail from Netflix. And um, You old timer. I know, I know. And I was just kind of randomly picking movies, like clicking a movie and seeing what they suggested. And if I liked them, sure, and I would add it. And I remember you saying a film in England. So I added that to my list and I saw other films that it recommended. And so I clicked one and had it apparently went to the top of my list and it came in the mail. And all I knew about it was that it was a Ben Wheatley film. And this film is called Kill List. Have you seen Kill List? I have not. Isn't that, this was like not his first film, but it was the one that got him attention that was i think it was at a few film festivals yes and this is, yeah yeah it, it uh, won a bunch of british independent film awards right and it's, it's marketed as somewhat of a horror film or something isn't it like a horror thriller yep yeah yeah the best so but it's also about it's kind of about these two hitmen so actually i was like this movie it's like if in bruges met the wicker man and it was directed by david lynch jesus Wrap your head around that for a second. Yeah, and and again, the basic the basic basic plot is, you basically you're following this one guy, and he's in this relationship, and apparently they apparently they've run out of money. Like there was some they they referenced the Kiev job, and that was about eight months ago, and they're basically out of cash from that. And so, our our main guy and his buddy who they do they do these jobs together. They need to get another job, and so they get this job, and they, it's like three people. They got to take out three people, and so they've got the job, and they're getting ready to go. But there's like this double date thing that they do, and the the husband and wife are really contentious. Like they are at odds a lot. They yell a lot and stuff. And his buddy brings over his girlfriend, and they're they're all having this. Oh, so one of the hitmen is married, and the other one is not. Correct. Okay. And so this this strange girl. I only say strange girl because. She's new to this group. She goes into the bathroom and she like takes off of a she takes a painting off the wall and she carves this symbol on the back of it. And this is pretty early in the movie and you're not quite sure why or what it means and we almost we barely see her again through the movie. Um so there's three people they got to they got to kill and the one of the first guys they they take out and I won't go too deep into the plot cuz it's not the movie we're talking about but he's this He's a librarian, but they he's either makes snuff films or at least watches them and he's got like a really seedy past, right? So they're they're no problem killing this guy, right? But there's a moment where our main killer, who I believe his name is Jay, there Jay has a moment alone with the guy they're about to kill, and the guy's like, I just want to say thank you. And Jay starts to like do things 
just horrible, like, torturous things to this guy, and he's enjoying it. It's just sort of like, okay, who are these people they're killing? And it builds, you know, and they, they keep going down the line of people they got to take out. We get to this moment where they're in the woods, and it, there's a very sort of, they've got these kind of masks on, and there's this ritual going on. Look, I'm doing the poorest job of describing this movie, but the ending left me rattled. Rattled. Um, it's not a very long movie. I think it's only like an hour 40. And it's, I don't know if it'd be streaming anywhere. It's, it, I mean, I would say it's a I've, relatively... I've looked, I've looked several times. I think it was on Prime for a while and I missed it. Yeah. But if like... If those kind of dark, and I, I don't mean this is like if dark movie, like if you can find that interesting, and it's a thinker. There's there's a lot of violence, but of movies that I haven't seen that I've kind of brought up in context for these conversations, this might be my favorite of them. I am giving this more than when Cache because you were you were on one on Cache. Yeah, I would say Cache is my number two. Um, if you and if you like if if you are looking trying to find Cache, j- just wait. And find Kill List and watch Kill List. It yeah, is it's been on my list for a long time. Nuts! This movie is insane. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a total Ben Wheatley convert. Like I love his well, stuff. And now it's now it's like okay, now I need to see his other stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if this was the best one to start with or whatever. I don't know, but it was. Well, if you're going chronologically, it's a it's a logical place to oh, start. Man. It's it's so good. Oh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. That was the worst job of telling you what the movie's about. But I'm, I don't I'm, want to, but, but I can't because... Well, it made me... I'll tell you what. It's not that bad because I, I was interested to begin with. I'm even more interested now. I need Now I knew, I know I need to be more active in seeking it out. It's 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 good. And I think I was just... I'm hesitant because everything builds on the next thing. So I, I can't, like, say, oh, this thing happens because it would just lead me down that path of telling you everything. Yeah. So just watch it. Ian, <laughs> Ian, maybe you'll do a better job. What do you What well, do you have? My, mine is a little more, not that there was anything wrong with your recommendation, but there's <laughs> <laughs> mine is a little more relevant to, to the meat of our episode, so we're going to be talking about an animated film, okay. so I've got an animated film recommendation, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm glad that I watched it, but I won't ever watch it again. Okay. Uh, Incredibles 2 finally got around to seeing that. Yeah. And... We yeah. own it, and I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I I was glad that I watched it. Here's the problem with there. There are some instances where we've had either long gestating sequels or sequels that people have gone, oh, it's time to to revisit this. Like for instance, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Sure, I mean, a huge gap yeah. between those two, and Blade Runner twenty forty nine was everything I didn't know I wanted in a sequel. Sure. It's incredible. This is, is, however, I know that people have been chomping at the bit for a second Incredibles for years now. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, and again, not being a huge fan of the original, I don't know if all of their wants and desires were really paid off. Certainly, even as like a, a fair weather fan, mine certainly weren't. The problem is, is that you, especially with these Pixar sequels, I don't feel like they're striking when the iron is hot. Like, why was there such a gap? If you wanted to do a second Nemo film, why did you wait so long to do Dory? If you wanted to do a second Incredibles, why has it taken 15-odd years? That's true. And it's funny because of the storylines. Now, I we, we turned Incredibles 2 on at home, but there was so much going on that I didn't really watch any of it. But the events take place 
pretty much right after. Yeah, and and that's that's part of the problem yeah. of having a fifteen year gap is if you if you haven't watched the first one recently, there's gonna be some pretty subtle stuff that's lost on you. Even whole characters, I went, why is he important? Yeah. Oh, he was in the first. Liz was like, oh, he's in the first one. I'm like, I don't remember him at all in the first one. Yeah. The problem is, is that I saw it once right around when it came out, and then I've seen bits and pieces of it since. Mm-hmm. I, I like the style, but there's nothing in it that really grabs me. Sure. What I have advocated for years, I would love to see that style of animation, but I want to see something like Miller's Crossing or The Untouchables done in that kind of style, because it lends itself to something. There's something uh, that's retro about it while also being futuristic, as I, th- I feel is the point of The Incredibles and their yeah. deliberate animation style. So I'm like, if you did a Prohibition film that looked like this, that, that would be incredible. That's my dream. It's like if you took... Untouchables, Miller's Crossing, mashed those up, and then did it in the style of The Incredibles, like a hard R-rated, animated prohibition film. I've been wanting for a while for Pixar to do at least a PG-13 movie, or like, like, you know, because they're so good at what they do, I'd love them to tackle a more adult storyline. Well, I feel like they tried that with Inside Out, as far as psychologically and thematically they they went to some of those deeper recesses that they, I feel like a did. lot of people were put off by like I, I remember talking oh. to people and a lot of people didn't like Inside Out because like, oh, no this is too deep for Inside kids Inside Out is oh man it's, it's close to the it's, top it's Pixar's best since Ratatouille for me oh I, yeah, Ratatouille is okay there's something just so charming. We'll have about a whole. You know what? Whenever we get to our first Pixar, that'll be a ranking. That'll be a like a so to rank. That would be a throat slitting kind of ranking. Well, I'm gonna have to finally see Dory because I still haven't seen that one. I do like that one. I was I was in no rush. Again, I was like, well, what's the point? You didn't strike when the iron is hot. Here's why, what I'll why say. Why am I interested? It it, it it's funny because I saw Finding Nemo in theaters when it first came out. Yeah, I, I I, I'm pretty sure I did. And what's so great is Finding Dory comes out. I'm now a parent, and I think it appealed. Like basically, if you saw this. At a young enough age to where, no. you know, yeah. And then now and now you have kids seeing the next ones like, oh, okay. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'm charmed. Yeah. I, yeah. So, yeah, Incredibles 2. Yeah, I I would watch it, but I wouldn't be in a massive rush to. I, I actually, I want to see it. And it, it's, it's even worse that it's just sitting at home. Yeah. But it is what it is. I think I will, I'll say that I'll say that I will be very surprised if you're not slightly disappointed. Sure. And it's long, like the first one. It was that was, the first that was one. My, my argument with the first one is it's too damn long. It was pretty And long my time. argument with this one is it just felt like it would never end. Sure. I love that the mom takes the front seat, though. Which? That that I'm I'm into. That was about the, the one thing I even knew about the movie was yeah. that. And again, and there, I was like, yeah, good. The, the reveals with Jack-Jack, just how powerful Jack-Jack is. Yeah. Which I know they hinted at at the end of the first one, mm-hmm. and there's been some shorts here and there. Yeah. But he has a fight. With a raccoon in the backyard. I've heard that's pretty memorable. It's it's good. It's yeah. probably the best thing in the whole movie. And nothing else in the movie comes close to how good that sequence is. Awesome. But anyway, like I said, that that segues that animation segues into what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So again, we're early enough in the podcast that you know we're trying to hit different genres and themes and 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 styles, and we realize that we haven't done an animated film yet. Now, there are, well, and specifically, an ad, there's a handful of, of what I guess you would call anime. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Akira is in the book as well as Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. But then, but even if you put those in with the animated films, too, they're really, there's not that many. There's not a ton. Um, and so we decided that we were going to tackle this uh, this type of film today. And we are talking about 
Spirited Away, uh, written and directed by I'm, the first time I'm going to get wrong, but I know just, it. Just say Miyazaki. Okay, Miyazaki. Yeah, perfect. Do you want to? I just want to stick with character names because I don't know if people have seen the the, the original Japanese version or the or the English dub. Well, I'll get this out of the way right now. I have seen the Japanese dub twice. I saw it uh, right when it came out on home video, and then I think I showed it to somebody. Uh, for this podcast, I will be upfront, and I admit I watched the English dubbed just so I could. I could have more time with the visuals and still be taking accurate notes, sure. not having to focus on subtitles as well as that. Because I'd already seen the, the 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 original language version, I thought, okay, I can relax a little bit. I don't have to do three different things at once. I'll just do two things at once. Now, I bought this initially to watch with Stella, so I've only watched this with the English right. dub. Because, because Stella can't read, so it would be... I've, I, I, here's what I'll say. I've never watched Spirited Away without Stella. Okay. And there was a brief period where she watched it a lot. So I know I've seen it at least three times all the way through, but I've probably watched it like 10 or 12 different sittings because there was a period where Stella watched it every other day. So, wow. Yeah. So well, it's been on go. quite there's, a bit. There's, there's, a, there's a high recommendation right there. Yeah. My four-year-old loves this movie. I got to yeah. tell you. Because uh, right now, let's just get this out of the way. You and I... We are not the target demographic for this film. I would agree with that. I mean, Miyazaki himself said this film is for 11-year-old girls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, the character... Okay, so let's just say character names, because I don't want anybody to get mad at us. So, uh, Shihiro is the main girl that we follow uh, for a brief period of time is named Sen, uh, when she's in the spirit world. And I think the original Japanese language title roughly translates Sen, Sen to Chihiro, Spirited Away, or something like that. Oh, okay. All right. it, it includes both of the, the names that she has. Oh, I think I've seen that poster. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Haku is a helper friend of Chihiro's, and he's also um, a the, water... It's like a water dragon. Yes. He can, he can transform... He can shapeshift, if you will. He's right-hand man to Yubaba. Yubaba, yes. Who runs the bathhouse. Yep. And uh, who has a twin sister. sister named Zaniba. Yep. Yep, yep exactly. And then Shahira's mom and dad. And then... Um, voiced by Michael Chiklis, yes. the dad in the yes. English dub. Okay, and then there's uh, Lynn, who is the... Uh, she's one of the few humans in the bathhouse. Is she a human? Like, I don't think... Isn't... I feel like, isn't Shihiro the only human? They make a big deal about they that. They do, but they don't say one way or another because Lin appears very human. She does. And then also, um, is it Kamaji? Who's the, uh, the he runs the boiler? Oh, I just called him Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if you can't tell by my cavalier attitude towards this film, that's how little I gave a shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, it's fucking Dr. Robotnik from Sonic. Uh, oh, um, but look, he's got six arms. Okay, uh, so it is the only film of Miyazaki that is in the book. I'll try to keep us on track here a little bit. Accolades. Now, uh, give the me list a list. Goes on. Yeah, let me just. On. I'm gonna see. I, I printed out a list of everything at one. You're hearing. You're hearing pages turn. So these are places that gave it best animated film. The Blue Ribbon Awards, the 25th Japan Academy Awards, the Berlin International Film Festival. Uh, the Hong Kong Film Awards, the Tokyo Anime Awards, Utah Film Critics Association, National Board of Review, the New York Film Critics, the Academy Awards. Which, to stop you there, the only hand-drawn and foreign film, or foreign film, to win that 
The Academy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Critics' Choice, the Saturn Awards, the Christopher Awards, and the British Film Academy Awards. It's a lot. And Did you mention the Berlin Film Festival? I, I might have. I don't know. Because it, it got the Golden Bear there, but it was tied with Paul Greengrass's uh, Bloody Sunday. Oh, okay. None of those necessarily bug me, because they're all... It's all animated films, and that's like so. Okay, sure, it was the best animated film of that. But there are two two different lists that came out recently. The New York Times and the BBC both did a top twenty five films of the century so far. I don't know if you were you familiar with any of these lists. Yeah, I'm familiar with the the BBC one. And so New York Times about, about maybe six months later did the same thing. And here's where my I get a little heated about this movie. The BBC listed it as the fourth best movie to have come out since the year 2000. I think their number one is Mulholland Drive, if it I'm is, not mistaken. Yeah. And the New York Times said it was the second best film to what, have come out. What beat it? There Will Be Blood. Oh, I'm totally fine with that. With, I'm totally fine with there being blood number one. I'm not no, okay with Spirited Away being, being number in, two. Or I'm, even being on the list. Yeah. And it's just... It's, it's tough because... Like I'm gonna, I'll, I'll help you out here. I'm really glad we're getting an anime out of the way this early in our podcasting, sure career because I'm not, I'm, I may alienate some people here, but I really don't give a shit about anime. Well, okay, let me. Like I've, l- I've tried. Let me finish getting through. Sorry. So uh, please so continue. It's number twenty-seven on the IMDb top two hundred and fifty, which I, I know we can both say it probably shouldn't even be on the list at all. And it's Rotten Tomato score. It, it, it's just a, it, it's. 97 fresh, 96 audience. Yes. The amount of money this thing did is incredible. Yeah. It, it had a, nine, I think, roughly, it was somewhere between a 15 and a $19 million budget. Uh, worldwide, it did 289 It only did $10 million in America just because its its release was so yeah. split. I, I think it had a limited release in, in the end of 2002 and then didn't get a wide one until, like, the spring of the next year. I do, I think the, the, the little funnest bit of trivia that I found out was that it broke Japanese box office records. Beating, I think, Titanic. Titanic was yeah. the, the previous record holder. Which, it can, like, how do you compare those two films? But but there you go. Well, I can't, I can't take away from how much money it did. I mean, that's impressive. Oh, yeah. Because I'll, I, I was curious. I put it in, I wanted to put it in perspective because this was distributed by Disney here in the States. Yes. And Disney oversaw the, I mean, they own the rights to all of Miyazaki's stuff. You know, for North, at least North American distribution that I know of, maybe yeah. uh, elsewhere in the world. But I was curious. I was like, okay, so 2001 is the official release date of this film, even yes. though it didn't come out in the States until the next year. Exactly. So I looked at, well, how much did Disney spend on their movies that came out in 2001? So they had two big tentpole releases animated-wise. They had Monsters, Monsters Inc. Inc. Yep. and uh, the Atlantis movie. Okay. Which is not terrible. I haven't seen it. It's okay. No. Their Treasure Planet was a little bit better. Okay. Because uh, I feel like they're very similar, almost interchangeable films. They, yeah, the, the animation style looks very similar. Yeah, yeah. So Atlantis had a $120 million budget. Whoa! So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, it, it didn't... It, it tanked, essentially, at that cost. I mean, it only made $160 million worldwide. But don't worry. Monsters, Inc. made up for it. Here you go. They spent $115 million on Monsters, Inc., and that made back uh, 578-ish. Okay. But just it, it comparatively, what you can do yeah. 
with that little money. Now, I was very disparaging about anime just a few minutes ago. I mean, I, I grew up with a lot of anime. I grew up with a lot of friends who were into anime, so I, I've seen a chunk of it. My problem with anime is the same problem I have with horror. There's just so much of it. The market is so oversaturated that you have to dig through so much garbage before you find something that's even halfway watchable. Sure. Cowboy Bebop, for me, is really the only anime that I... I Enjoyed. I mean, so the movie was great, and there's a, a handful of really great episodes of the TV show. The, 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 everybody talks about Akira being the greatest anime of all time, and probably it's Spirited Away, but I know Akira and, and Spirited Away are probably neck and neck in some people's minds. There are other Miyazaki films I want to see. I've heard Howl's Moving Castle is fantastic. You know, and I actually, I bought, because it was I, it was like on set, like, like the Studio Ghibli movies are like expensive. Like when they come oh, out, yeah. it, it's hard. But I, um, Princess Mononoke was on sale at Target for like 10 bucks, the Blu-ray. And Mononoke is not bad. No, I haven't, I, but I had every intention of watching it in before preparation. this, and I put it on twice. I just I couldn't get that far. I mean, yeah. part of it too is trying to watch it with with Stella, which is difficult. Yeah. So at some point, I'll need to watch it on my own, so I can actually give it an honest opinion about it. But I just I couldn't get I couldn't get into it. It yeah. was hard. Yeah, for me, I think the other one that's in the book, Grave of the Fireflies, Fireflies. that is the better. If you if you if you that's the one choose, I'm the most excited to see. It's it's very good. Okay. It and it doesn't feel like it transcends. Okay. Animation for me. Oh great! All right. I, mean, what I was I was I don't I don't want to go out of my way to alienate anybody because I know that anime is is it, there's a huge following for it especially I feel up here in the Pacific Northwest yeah it's huge up here yeah so when I was at Western a lot of people I knew a yeah. lot of people I knew were into it and they still are yeah I mean yeah it's just it, it's one of those things that feels like more like a phase for me like something that you should grow out of there's just something something about that particular animation style like i what and the thing that struck me about rewatching this movie is the 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 background work those those are gorgeous the visuals in the background especially and the creature design are fantastic but the problem i have with a lot of anime is um is motion there seems to be it's like they animate every other cell do you know what I mean? The, 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 the motions are very jerky. Yeah. Especially look at that sequence where she's going down to the boiler room, for example, and she's running down those stairs. I mean, it's, I was watching this thing, and, and maybe it's due to the fact that I was watching this thing on a 480 DVD in a 1080 Blu-ray player that's then on a 4K TV. So it's trying to upscale the best that it can. But I know that that's how anime looks most of the time anyway. It's very jerky. It's almost hard to watch some of the character animation. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, we I mean, I watch it on a on a, a Blu-ray on a 4K player on a 4K TV. Yeah. So, and I'm sure it doesn't look that much different. Nah, I would you imagine. see what I I don't yeah, know if no, you know, no, the, no, the, I know the, what the you mean. jerky yeah. kind of motion and things like that. Yeah. So let's just let's just because again, I, I think it's actually a fairly simple plot. If, like, if we just wanted to just give like the overall picture. Well, it's, as I'm writing down plot details, you say that, and I, I have to laugh because I I went back and I looked at my notes, and as I'm typing them up, I'm like, how do you describe this plot without sounding like you're insane? Well, okay, so Shihiro and her family they're moving, they're moving to a new house somewhere else, and they stop along the way, and they are. Apparently at an abandoned theme park, and here's where things get a little nutso. There's one booth that's open that has food, and her parents start to dig in, and Shihiro's walking around, and when she comes back, her parents have turned into pigs. Which they totally stole from Willow. I've never seen it, so I'll take your word for that. Oh, yeah, they all everybody turns into pigs at the end of that movie. Cool. Um, and then it starts to get dark, and all these spirits arrive, and Shihiro 
um, is is basically now she's entered the spirit world and she herself is turning into a spirit. But Haku shows up, helps her out, basically keeps her from turning into a spirit. And basically Shihiro is stuck in this world until she can figure out how to get her parents changed back. And that that really is the like the roughest outline of the yeah. plot. There's now, a, once a, once you start getting into the details of it, that's where yes. you start to go. What is this madness? Now, yeah. I know I don't want to sound ignorant. I know I can come across as sounding ignorant in these things. Like I, I tried to do some research. Like I know that this film is one again. Like I said, it's not our. We're not the target demographic. Sure. And two, I mean, you really have to. In order to appreciate some of the subtleties as far as the spirit world goes, I mean, it, there's there's so much information on Wikipedia. There's almost several dissertations on the Shinto Buddhist religion and its folklore and, and the way that they view spirits and the spirit world. So to get a deeper understanding of it, it's, it's almost like you have to go down that path researching that kind of folklore. Yeah, I mean, people are going to hear two... American male's opinions of this movie, you know, when you should be listening to a, what a fourteen-year-old girl thinks of it, really, yeah. if you want an, an honest, yeah. unfiltered opinion. And it's you know, it's amazing because I, I've already mentioned that my four-year-old has seen this movie, and I remember I watched it with her, and I I wasn't quite sure if she was even really watching it at one point. So we get to the end of the movie, and I I turn it off, and I go, so Stella, what was your you know what what parts of the movie did you like, and. I would. I swear, I thought she was gonna say, "Oh," and like just not think of anything. No. But she looked at me and she said, "Well, I didn't like when the parents turned into pigs. That really scared me. But I liked it when the big baby." And she and she totally grasped like things that happened in the movie. Really? Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that's that's impressive because while it's an animated movie and it's not crazy scary or anything, like I thought this was gonna be over her head." But she well, there are some dramatic moments in it, like where we realize No Face's real intentions. Yeah, the way he starts rampaging through the bathhouse and eating people. Now, and... here's here's what I will say: No Face may be one of the most depressing characters I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, that ca- like, oh, I can totally see that. When right? I was really like this, like I've watched it with my daughter a bunch of times, but like watching it for the podcast and taking notes, I was I felt really bad for No Face. He obviously he can't come in without some kind of an invitation, and then he gets it, and you know I, I'm just watching this person who desperately wants a friend, and you and know, is willing to buy a friend. Exactly, yeah, he's Ex- got he, he has the handfuls of gold and pieces, the, and, and the one friend that he actually wants is too busy. That when there's one particular moment where um, Haku is bleeding, and he's she's got to go try to help him, and she's like, I can't, I can't, I can't take the gold. I got to go by, and she runs off. And like, but so the gold goes everywhere. But you can see, like, even though like he's got the um, like the the kind of mouth that's in the chest. Yeah. You know what I mean? The face is just you can tell it's so like hurt. Yeah. And this is where I can't take any away from Miyazaki as a visualist. Oh sure. And his team of animators are incredibly talented. Like what they did with less than twenty million dollars is astounding. I loved our kind of intro into the world. And it's at first it's just the masks floating and the, the bodies kind of form yeah, around yeah. them and they, they go well, in. Well, and I, and I like that kind of the No Face especially has that kind of kabuki style yeah. kind of mask, which is kind of cool. But Although I will say, <laughs> I, I was I was pestering my wife throughout the – this because we all watched this last time. We all watched it. Yeah. And I would just lean over to her and go, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> 
could. It's a really kind of funny sound that No Face makes. Yeah. And I, uh, now, now occasionally I just do it. I'll just, because like, it's so, it's like, uh, Ian is scowling I, I have, at me I have, right now. I have nothing to add. I, there's nothing to follow up to the it. proceedings there. Please know that I was just making a sound. Those sounds could have been indicative of something else, and I, I it just was a sound oh, that I was making. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So I know that uh, this movie draws a lot from, like I mentioned earlier, not just the the Shinto Buddhist folklore, but I it is very. Uh, reminiscent of things like Alice in Wonderland and, and Wizard of Oz. I think a lot of people say that they feel it's more like Wizard of Oz than Alice in Wonderland. And, oh. And I don't I don't know that I necessarily agree with I that. I see it more like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Just because of the, the sheer sort of madness of it all. Yeah. Here's actually, this is a... I don't, I don't know that I have an answer to this question, but it's one that I certainly asked, and it's one that I, I don't... I, I'm curious to know your answer to this. How much... If any of this is real, well, it's well. The you get to the end, and it's certainly real for her. Sure, because uh, I, I know I know time, that time has passed. They come back to the car. The car is grown over, which I don't really understand because to me it feels like this movie takes place over like two or three days, maybe. It's more like two. Well, yes, yes, in, in Shihiro's mind, right? Her her yeah. time at the bathhouse. Yeah. Yeah. And they never really, other than doing that thing with the car, okay, so time moves slower in that world than it does in the real world. I guess. Maybe. There's really no explanation for that. It, There's just a lot of things in this movie that are just not implicit. And I guess I, I don't need everything spelled out for me. But, sure. I mean, uh, Miyazaki said somewhere, I don't have a quote specifically but i guess the original concept this film was going to run something like three hours oh was his original intent which i no, i can't i just i no, i will not i refuse to sit through a three-hour version of this because two hours is long enough yeah i agree which is so funny though because i I, it's it's one of the few movies that my four-year-old doesn't get up and run around in that's so interesting. Uh, yeah. The, the, the visual, and again, this speaks to what a great visualist he is. That he could, even if I'm sure she's not actively aware of everything that's going on screen story-wise. Probably, yeah. But to be sucked into those visuals. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I yeah. Mean, it's, it's, visually, it's a, there's, there are things about it that are great looking. And a lot of the, I, you know. There there's a, the, the train, the, the submerged train tracks. That I love. That mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. I really enjoyed the... Uh, the kind, I mean, maybe not obvious to my four-year-old, but I, I liked all the little the pieces of paper that were kind of attacking Haku when he was like the water dragon thing, yeah. and I just I immediately thought, oh yeah, it's like death by a thousand cuts, like yeah. you know, it's like it's like taking a metaphor and then and then actually visualizing it, yeah, yeah and, that's, I, and that's good. I enjoyed. Like I'm not I'm not going to sit here and complete trash it. I do have one or two nice things to oh, say about. No, it. No, it's it's I don't, and I wouldn't even say it's a bad movie, but it's exhausting. And then I wonder. What the payoff is, but then I I go back to what we were talking about, where we're not really the target demographic for this movie. Right. Although the one thing that I think is universal, um, and we actually were kind of talking before the podcast about this, and I didn't ask you this question because I wanted to save it for this. Which which is did you did you move a lot when you were a kid? Because obviously I know at the very least I know you moved from the UK to here, but I'm wondering. Well, the thing is, I went back and forth. Oh yeah, quite a bit. Okay. At least four times that I can remember. Okay. I was just, I'm just curious, because I, I probably moved, like, five or six times before 
I was eight. Okay. And then we landed in, in Stanwood, where, where I, I would say I grew up, and then we were there for all of my, my schooling. But there was a period in time between, like, ages five and seven where I I think I moved, like, three or four times. Like, I remember when I was in first grade, I was I, I went to two different schools in first grade alone because we moved halfway through the year. And I know a part of this movie is about that, right? Yeah. It's about moving the and, anxiety and, and facing the challenges yeah. and stuff. And don't get me – I mean – you kind of mentioned this earlier. We're not idiots. I get that, you know, Shihiro grows through this. And now now that she's she's done what she's done in the spirit world, yeah, the movie, movie's going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. I get that she learns and she's grown up through it. It's certainly a movie with a message, but I guess I don't know how much I care. Yeah. If, and And why it has to take such a roundabout way to get there and why it sets up. Or why it tries to pay off things that were never set up to begin with. Uh, for yeah. example, when the spell is lifted from Haku, you know she takes, she's able to get him to cough up that that bug that's inside him that the Yubaba has put in him to yeah. control him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he remembers her because he is. He reveals that he is a, a river a spirit, spirit. Yes, and yeah. she fell into a river when she was a kid, and he saved her. Yes, like. That's that's a lot of information to give us right five minutes before the movie ends. Yeah, and we're getting just, right. And to justify their relationship five minutes before the movie's over, like, could we have not have had, you know, set up some sort of anxiety that she has about water? Like, she fell into a river and nearly drowned, so a good thing to do there was not necessarily have a flashback to at least, as I said, set up some sort of anxiety about rivers and water in general. To yeah. sort of pay that off, and so oh, that makes sense, rather than oh, that's a really convenient coincidence. Well, that and it's not Haku's story. Yeah, right. Like I don't. I guess I don't understand why. I mean, I guess it's a big reveal, and there's yeah, that they, moment they, where they they're, they're, and, they're kind of falling, and the tears are kind of floating up, right? Because they're falling to the ground. Yeah, they try to make it Haku's story there. It kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this plays into well. What was his original three-hour vision? Maybe is that something that was in there? Potentially. Yeah. I. Whenever I hear about any movie, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's an animated one or not. You know that there was the intention was that it was going to be there was a longer cut, right? And and they then they obviously they whittle it down to what they did. I have one of two thoughts, which is, and if I end up seeing the movie, it's like oh, they probably it was a good thing they whittled it down, you know, or it's like, did we were, were we missing something? Yeah, because you know, adding an hour to this movie—first, it sounds painful, but also it's—it does make me go, okay, well, what what new information would we have gotten? Yeah, would things have been clearer? Yeah, I mean, there's already so much in it that's unnecessary anyway. I mean, I, just the or or things are just like I said, they are they're paid off so quickly without any setup with which to pay those things off with. Like when she comes finally to Zenobuz to sort of beg for forgiveness and beg for Haku's life after he has stolen the seal from her that Yubaba wanted yeah. from her twin sister. Firstly, why do they hate each other? They don't set up why. Oh, Yubaba and Zaniba? Yeah, why, yeah do they, we... why are they separated? Yeah. Why does this one run the bathhouse and why does this one live in a tiny little shack in the middle of nowhere that yeah. you have to go on these submerged train tracks that apparently a 40-year-old ticket will still allow you onto this train? That makes and secondly, sense. while I'm on that tangent, why does she allow no face... To get on the, all she forgives No Face immediately for all the havoc that he caused. 
and now he's just a part of the crew, even though he's get, like this I, kind of evil spirit. I know. That, well, like, I know. Caused a bunch of mayhem. And I think part of it is, it's it's one of the like the morals, right? It's the showing compassion to those who didn't show it. Sure. It's turning the other cheek. I mean, I get it, and it's they're all there, and I and I I I do get what this movie is trying to say, and and I and I I don't think either of us are saying that it's not good or well made, yeah. but I don't know. Well, the, the point that I was trying to get to was that Zenaba immediately wants her to call her Granny. Yeah. What? Why? Yeah, you've you've known this child for like sixty seconds. The other one that's frustrating to me is uh, what's the what's the name of the boy? Like, what's Doctor Robotnik's actual name? <laughs> I think it's is it Kamaji? Kamaji. Whatever. He's Doctor Robotnik from here on out. He his motivations Kamaji. Yeah, his motivations towards her change instantaneously That's, like he is giving her a hard time and he's already been set up to know he's going to try and he's going to try and deny you a job because that's the only way you can stay here yeah but he's the one that has to you know get you to you baba essentially yeah, to get the course, job which he doesn't doesn't happen yeah and then uh he covers for her once lynn discovers her and it's like yeah. oh this is my granddaughter like what you yeah. hated this child five seconds ago. Why are you now, like, covering for her? Well, and again... Which takes away from what is my favorite scene in the movie. I love those little coal things, like the, the dust mites. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the, this is the... For me, this is the, the most clever thing in the movie, both visually and, and thematically, is um, when she steps on one. So the whole point of these, if you haven't seen the movie, the whole she gets down in the boiler room. Doctor Robotnik is there working all the. I, I don't care. This is this is how little I care. He is working all the the, the things. The, he's pulling the levers. He's got six arms. He's working the boiler, making sure there's hot water, and and to aid him in this, out of the floor, out of these little you know mouse holes in the floor, yeah. come these little cold, these sentient dust mite things that are carrying things of coal that they're tossing into the boiler to keep it going. And she steps on one. And so then it can't deliver its piece of coal. And so he says to her a really great line, finish what you started, human. And so she picks it up and she throws it in there. And all the dust mites all come to the realization at the same time, wait a second, she can do our job for us. And they all drop their pieces of coal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that is, that's good. That yeah, is a that was be- fun. That's a better moment than this movie deserves. <laughs> Have I made my point about how much I don't care about this movie? I'm really glad we got... I, I Actually, I thank you for getting this one out of the way early. <laughs> I've just alienated so many people. You're alienating members of my family. Oh, am I? Because you're... Well, you're, you're alienating Stella. And you've already alienated Melissa a little bit with your hatred of West Side Story. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know... She's going to grow up and hear this one day, and she's going to be like, that Ian guy's a real prick. <laughs> yeah, she'll probably say those words. Dude, I, I, well, I she'll hope be, so. She's my kid. She'll call you a prick. Yeah. yeah. And probably much worse besides. I'm Stella, if you ever hear this, I'm very sorry. I'm glad you love this. I'm really glad that she... That sh- to me, that's a credit to you guys as parents and, and just her intelligence towards this film and picking up on those little things that you mentioned and yeah. not just being in it visually. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from her oh, or no. Miyazaki oh, because no. of that, or you guys as parents. It's just that one man's opinion, you know, doesn't mean that it's the right thing to say about this movie. Sure. But it's no, just, I, I just don't care. Yeah. The other kind of trying to looking for looking for symbolism and, and, and images, maybe where they are or don't. I was I I was thinking early on, you know, and I, I, I didn't write them all down because I, I kind of gave up on it, but 
the the, the seven Which deadly is sins easy to do the seven deadly sins and and how they're represented in this movie because they're they're like they're all in here you know you get it really early on with the gluttonous parents yeah and then you Baba who is very greedy and then you know everybody else who's envious of it I mean they're they're I feel like a lot of them are represented in the yeah. in the movie no I can I can see that sloth with the uh, the the stink monster yeah. Oh, and I love the, the the very blatant like pulling the thorn out of the lion's paw. Yeah, thing. I guess that's based on. It's inspired by something that I guess Miyazaki was uh, cleaning up a river as a as a young man, part of this crew cleaning yeah. up a river, and he pulled a, a bicycle out of the river, which yeah. is a pretty big leap to make. Yeah, <laughs> as far as something that inspired you leading into this, but I mean, I guess the whole inspiration for the movie was like, he goes on vacation every year. And one of the one of the, the daughters of the people that he vacations with, he saw how morose she was and was like, well, I want to create something for you. Yeah. You know, which is noble. Yeah, no, it is. It is. You know, you know, something just he created this whole movie just to cheer up, we assume, one child. Well, and for and for the bits of pieces that I'd seen of Princess Mononoke, wildly different movies. Yeah. So this is this is, you know, definitely he definitely had a target for this movie. And clearly, and here's the thing, clearly this movie has has registered with people who aren't ten year old girls though, because it is widely acclaimed. I mean, this is almost a universally accepted movie that this is like a great film. So this is making me feel a bit of a Scrooge, if I'm honest. Like I'm the one naysayer going, ah, no, you're all wrong. I I no 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 no. I I don't think I'm as as far as you are over there, but I don't think this is. I think it's a fine movie, but this is, I mean... Well, this is more indifference on my part than, than hatred. Well, sure, but <laughs> but this is going to be a movie that really does stand the test of time. I mean, it's already... Oh, it's going to be around a while. I mean, I cannot... Be- I, I really find it hard to believe that the New York Times believes that this is the second best movie made uh, since 2000. I, 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 that's, that baffles my mind. Oh, Absolutely. How, how do you... I, I wrote down something interesting. Uh, I was drawing comparisons while watching this to, to Jim Henson as far as creature design. Yeah. I wanted to throw that out there and see what you think. It seems to me that in in this film in particular, that Miyazaki is something of a, of a Jim Henson of the anime world. Sure. But, and, and the other thing that while I was writing that down, I was like, well, did they, did they create this movie to justify all this character and creature design? Was it like, oh, we've got all these great creatures. Now we've got to build a story around them. Well, and it does it does feel like that. I yeah. mean, you know, especially with a lot of the just the people visiting the bathhouse who are just around. Yeah. You know, yeah, that I, I, I could totally a see A lot that. of it's very cool looking. Oh, sure. I would love some explanation as to why frogs rank higher than human beings. I'm sure. I also, I thought it was funny, um, the Disney producers who oversaw the... Um, the English recording of this. Yeah. They, uh, John Ratzenberger does one of the voices. Yeah. He's like the head frog or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, because, but, but I love it. I love, I love the reason for it. They, they think they say John Ratzenberger is their good luck charm. Cause he has, he has had a part in every Pixar movie. Well, I mean, that's, I'm willing to bet that they spent more than $10 million because I mean, I'm sure it was indulged. Disney, Disney will just throw money at anything. I mean, look at John Carter for Christ's sake, <laughs> uh, or or the Lone Ranger for that instance. Ooh, that there you go. Yeah, there you who, go. Who thought that was going to be successful? 
Gore Verbinski. Yeah, right. You spent almost $300 million on it. There's no way in hell. There's no alternate reality where you make that money back. You know, you actually, you know what my favorite Gore Verbinski movie is? While we're on the subject of... The Weatherman with Nicolas Cage. No. Rango. Rango's not bad. I love Rango. Rango is, yeah, I, I did kind of enjoy Rango. Despite my better, like I'm like kind of like white-knuckling it through that movie, not wanting to like it. I'm like, okay, it's not that bad. I love the non-Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood cameo, because yeah. it's Timothy Oliphant yeah. doing an amazing Eastwood impression. It's good. Yeah, where was I? No, the, uh, I don't know how much of a, a good luck charm John Ratzenberger was on this, because this movie had already made all its money or pretty much almost all the money it was going to make before it even got to oh, the States. Oh, sure. Because it only did another $10 million here. I think I meant more that I just like that they they like him enough that they just brought him in yeah, to yeah. do a, yeah. you know. Oh, no, I was trying to shit all over that good luck charm thing. Oh, great. Yeah. Thanks, Ian. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Um, <laughs> you mean, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Alice in Wonderland thing, which is something I definitely wanted to bring up. Uh, Never Ending Story as well was another comparison I drew. There's something yeah. about the, the Atreyu-Falcor relationship, which is kind of there in the, the Haku. Haku Chihiro, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And the yeah. fact that he even looks when he's up there in the air. Yeah, I mean, does, to me, I was like, oh, that's kind of just a big silverfish in the sky, but it kind of looks like a, yeah. you know. I guess so. If you don't know what a silverfish is, those are those tiny, creepy little bastards that, you know, can crawl up <laughs> underneath your carpet. They're very disgusting looking. <laughs> if you haven't experienced it, well, it's a, it's a treat. I, I lived in a in a great apartment once, but no, he even looks a bit like Falcor. Yeah, and it, when she's when she is actually riding him as they're they're flying, yeah, you see, yeah, you know, you you get some of that never ending story imagery. Yeah, I agree with that. Ian, no. Do you think? Let me get the question out. Ian, oh, okay. <laughs> do you think this movie should be in the book? Uh, no. Okay, I. I, I agree. And I will tell you, though, that there was an internal dilemma of me really wanting to say yes just because I've, I, I've seen it so many times with Stella. But I also... Are you, are you going through an inter- like, Are you watching her face just... Because you've seen her happy and you've seen her sad. Yeah. So you're in your mind right now, are you seeing that little four-year-old girl just crushed? No. No, I don't think decision. she even totally knows exactly what we do when we do this. Um, but if she was to ever hear this... No, know. I don't think so. <laughs> Because because there's so many movies that we've watched together. I'm just trying to make you feel like a shitty parent. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> good. Um, but I, here's the thing: I, I was I I was really struggling with wanting to put it on the with wanting to say yeah, I should be in the book. And I remember the little speech I gave on one of our podcasts about I don't want to put I don't want to put forth a movie because I feel like it should be in there. And that's yeah. why I referenced all the acclaim that this movie has. Right. So. I'm not going to say yes because now, do you my feel, daughter likes it and because uh, because of all the acclaim. Now, do, do you feel like it's in there because of all the acclaim it has? And do you think these people have revisited it and still feel the same way that they did? I have to believe. I can't. In terms of it being in the book, I don't know. But I do think that people still do like it. I mean, that, that list. That, oh, that was fairly recent, Yeah, wasn't both it? of those lists no, were, yeah. I think, 2016 or 15. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, because Moonlight was on one of them, which is just a couple years ago. So that those lists are fairly recent. Yeah. Um, and to be ranked so high up there means that these people still really consider this movie such a masterpiece. Let me rephrase the question, then. If this movie was to come out today, do you think it would still get all the acclaim? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes 
because I feel like nothing else really like this has been put out. And I think it would still it would strike a chord with those people in in a way that, you know, I couldn't foresee. Well, I guess it it opened the floodgates to to more anime. Anime certainly didn't get any smaller. After no, it came and out. and I um, Howl's Moving Castle, and another one. I think I think Kiki's Delivery Service maybe. I, no, that one, Howl's Moving Castle was nominated for Best Animated Picture. I think Ponyo was too. And there's also another one that was huge. I don't know if it was nominated, but My Neighbor Totoro, I remember being fairly large. I think I might have been nominated, yeah. But um, so I think it helped increase awareness in terms of the states and the academy. And and that's that's the point I'm getting at. In the in the oversaturation in the market that we have of anime, do you think this would still stand out, or would it get lost in the noise? I honestly don't know. I don't. I I know anime is is big. I I couldn't tell you a single other thing about it i have another another show or or beyond miyazaki i don't really no. i don't know so you haven't seen grave of the fireflies and you haven't seen akira the other two really massive ones I have no. not okay no you're not missing anything with akira i'll tell you that right now okay so uh we don't think it should be in the book do you have a replacement oh yeah the the cowboy bebop movie i think okay. it's just ridiculous fun and it's kind of for me i'm it's kind of future i like Obviously, I'm a huge Blade Runner fan, and there is it takes so much from that that I see. Oh, this is I connect with this because I understand their influences. Okay, and it's just, it's just a fun, ridiculous film. It's uh, I think its title in Japan was Knocking on Heaven's Door, and over here, unfortunately, it's just called Cowboy Bebop the movie, which is kind of bland. Knocking on Heaven's Door actually, like you know, that's that says something. Yeah. Do you have a replacement? Yeah, I do. Um, and it's not. It's not an anime. It's animated, but it's not. Yeah. It's not anime. And um, I think just in keeping it in, in the lines of, of movies that I enjoy watching with my daughter, that I actually do think should be in the book. Um, if you say Frozen, I'm walking out of this room. No, I'm not going to say Frozen. Although I do like Frozen a lot, I actually do. I think Pixar is actually really not. I don't think it's represented in the book very much. They just have the Toy Story as a trilogy in there. I I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, and there are so many to pick from. And while I think, can I guess? Can I guess what you're going to go with? Yeah. Wally. No. Oh. Nope. Nope. Um, no, Stella does not like Wally. She can't get uh, if through it's, it. If it's not Wally, then it's up. It's not. Wow, I'm striking. I'm two for two here. What's going on? Would you want to, do you want to get, you can guess the third one. You, you want, want a third you one? You totally strike out. Uh, Nemo then. No. Oh, what the hell? No, no. And, and trust me, I would say two of those three, and I won't tell you which two, should be in the book. But um, the one that I would put in there would be Coco. Okay. Um, Because... Not only do I have the connection to it with, with with Stella, but that movie, I had actually low expectations. I had really low expectations, and it knocked my socks off. Well, I, I'll, I'll share something she may not want me to share, but I, I didn't watch Coco. Liz did. I was doing something else. I think I was actually prepping notes I, for a podcast. I think I might. Oh, sorry, keep going. Oh, I, came, I come into the room in the last five minutes, and there are just tears yeah. streaming down her face. She's like, no, don't look at me. You weren't supposed to see this. It's, Dude, it's, it's really good. Yeah. I, I love. I'm, it. I'm gonna get around to it, especially it's, when we when we do the Pixar episode. Because I mean, we're gonna do. I'm assuming ranking. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna assume that we're gonna do Toy Story as a trilogy, as it is in the book. We will. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I'll want to rank those in the context of the rest of Pixar's their filmography canon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, if I if I had to actually, if you're interested, I don't know if you are. If I had to put a Pixar movie, another Pixar movie in the book, I think it's Inside Out. Which was my, which would have been, which is right behind Coco. Yeah, in that, terms of what I that again is another one of those films, like I mentioned with Grave of the Fireflies. It transcends 
not only its its genre but its uh, its its animation style. Yeah, it's it's so good, and it and it brought me around to being an Amy Poehler fan. Oh, really? I think she's fabulous in it. She's great. Uh, yeah, the voice work is great. In it. Yeah. Do we not a big Parks and Rec fan? Uh, it took me a while to come around. Okay. I, I enjoy okay. it now. Okay. But it, it took a long time for me to get there. Sure. Especially with that that first season's a real grind. It is, but I feel the same way about the American version of The Office. Yeah, the first season is, in is fact, tough. In I fact, actually, the first two seasons of The Office for me are a grind. Oh, see, you know what's funny is I, I don't think I, I – a friend of mine said watch The Office, and I watched the first very first episode, and I was like, nope, I don't think so. Yep. And then I came back, and, I, and he, he said the exact same thing. He's like, what do you think? I go, I think it's awful. He goes, okay. Well, the, the, first, the first episode is pretty much verbatim yes. the English one. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> and so he goes, you know what? Skip the first season. And go. I said he said go right to season two. You'll you'll know enough that you'll be fine. And so I did that. Season two sucked me in. Went back and watched. Yeah. So I had the context. See, this is this is what I tell tell people about Trailer Park Boys as well. Oh, I I know of them. I've never skip seen skip season one. Go straight into season two because season one is rough. All right. It's yeah. It's 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 not low budget. It is no budget. Uh, if you can't tell, we uh, we're tang- we're tangential here because uh, we both said no to this movie, um, and we're still talking. <laughs> exactly. So it's a no. It's a no from us. Um, Ian would put forward the uh, Cowboy Bebop movie, or Inside Out, or Inside Out, and I would put in uh, Coco or Inside Out. Both, yeah. Of them, yeah. So I think we should just say, well, let's put Inside Out. Okay, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I got my opinion on Coco out there. So yeah, we let's we, put Inside Out inside. Ew. So we are gonna definitely replace uh, Spirited Away with Inside Out. And uh, we're curious to know how you feel about that swap. Um, so it's, there's not, it's not going to be good. It's okay. Hey, you know what? Let's start the dialogue. So if yeah. you want to let us know how you feel about Spirited Away, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, if you're listening to this, you're probably listening on either iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. Um, thank you for that. Uh, continue to listen. If you want to subscribe and rate and review us, that would be fantastic. That's all I got for this week. Hopefully you're not too alienated by our opinion. That would or, be great. Or, or my opinion. Well, come keep on coming back because we're gonna do movies. We're gonna do other movies that you'll uh, you'll enjoy. Yeah. So this, this next one, next week's episode, that's gonna be a real cracker. It'll be a humdinger. So uh, until then, I am Adam and I am Ian, and we will see you next week. <laughs>